Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. I'm Dylan Bird here with my co-hosts, Ryan Winthrop and Jordan Heffler. And usually we do not podcast on Sundays, but today we have a special guest joining us, Kelly Wentworth um, from season 29, 31, and 38. Thank you so much for coming on, Kelly. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I guess we'll just uh, we'll just get right into it because, um, you know, there is so much to talk about with, you know, this season. You know, I, I, I'm sure everybody's been watching a ton of stuff, you know, just trying to be trying to absorb as much content as possible before Survivor possibly goes away for a little bit with the lack of filming. But I uh, know. So yeah. crazy. I don't know what they're going to do. What a wild time that we're all living in right now. Yeah, I know. It's pretty crazy. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on the season so far? Okay, so I feel like the past few episodes have really kicked it up a notch. So there were a few episodes kind of like leading up to the merge and then after where I was thinking, okay, this is fine. But I felt like, you know, we have this Tony show now and I've been waiting for it all season because he's just such a delight on the screen. So I've really enjoyed the past few episodes. Obviously, the Sandra Blindside episode was incredible, but I think that we've really hit like a great stride now. And I know there are only a few episodes left, but I'm really excited for the double boot episode and the finale. So I'm I'm excited to see where, you know, where it ends up. What about you guys? I, I love it. I we, Me and Hef were just like texting about this after the other night. We're like, I think it's like officially, I think it's officially moved into like top three season ever territory, like already. And we don't even know like how it ends yet. So. Wow. Okay. Okay. Let's see who wins and then we'll yeah. make that call. Yeah. It was all pretty important. Everything, sure. everything could change in a, in a second if like something that nobody likes happens in the next few episodes. So. Yeah, exactly. So not to not to change the conversation, but who are you guys wanting to win then? Like who would be the perfect winner to make this season like in that, you know, top five or top three seasons ever? I mean, I've always said Tony. I mean, I've been a big Tony fan for a while. And I think the reason why I would be excited is because I didn't expect him to do well, especially after Game Changers. I mean, maybe he would do a little bit better, but I thought he still could be a merge boot or maybe go a few weeks ago. But I'm so impressed Tony has dialed down his game in the pre-merge and is now kicking it up a notch. So I'd be really happy with the Tony win. I've always been big on Jeremy as well. I've been big on um, Denise. So any of those three would be huge for me. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously Tony is automatic entertainment every time he comes on the screen. But my other two favorite winners are Jeremy and Tyson. So I would love to see Tyson come back. And Jeremy's kind of getting a little bit of an underdog story this season. He's playing from the bottom pretty much every episode as of recently. So I would love to see if he could somehow make it to the ends. Yeah, I, I would say Tony and Jeremy also. And it's funny because before the season, we were podcasting and we were talking about like each person's chances. And we, me and Ryan were like, Tony has like no chance whatsoever. Like I completely expect them to go out within the first like four episodes. So I think it would be like pretty incredible if you were able to win. And Jeremy also, who's like, been pretty much on the bottom the entire time since the merge exactly yeah i'm right there with you guys and it's so funny because i think that tony and jeremy would be the most satisfying for me at this point but they've had such different games that it's really kind of crazy because you think like a jeremy win yeah he's been on the bottom a majority of the time and he's had to play a way different game than he's had to play in the past or in other seasons and then you have tony on the flip side who boss and rob is calling a boss and who is basically calling all the shots and making the decisions. So it would be an interesting win if either one of them did pull out the victory, but a completely different win at the same time. Like it'd be really interesting to see how it all kind of shakes out, but 
yeah, no, not a knock against anybody else left either. Uh, I just don't know that I would be happy with, say, like a Nick Wynn or a Ben or, you know, some of the other individuals left. So I think the one other person that I'd be pretty satisfied with winning is if like, is if Sarah won, because okay. I feel like that if she were to do it, then like she would like take down Tony in some like really like amazing way. So that's why. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. And yeah. So to, so just, just to go on to like another topic, what, what are your thoughts on edge of extinction so far this season? Cause I know that you were obviously on the first season where like, <laughs> people have like polarizing views on it. Oh my gosh. Let's see. Where do I start? I feel like I always try to be, semi nice like I I don't want to be um, rude and talk trash about the show or anything like that but I've never liked the edge of extinction I just I don't mind um, the idea of it but I really and I've said this so many times people are probably tired of hearing about it but I just don't like the fact that advantages or disadvantages are put into the game by people on edge of extinction. I just feel like if you're voted out, you should already just be glad that you get a second chance to come back in. I don't think that they should be able to impact the game. Now, last week we had an incredible episode with Tony and those fire tokens and he was having to negotiate and it made for great television. So from a producer standpoint, they're like, yeah, this is incredible. But from a player standpoint, it's just it just doesn't feel right. So I don't really like it. I do think that for the viewers, because they are doing more things on Edge of Extinction this year versus the season I was on, it's more interesting to watch. But at the same time, it takes away from the actual gameplay and the people that are still in the game. So I'm conflicted. I understand it. I see they have to keep evolving the game and making it different for viewers. But at the end of the day, like I would like just a pure game obviously idols included but uh, remove edge of extinction for me and i'd be fine with it yeah i mean i think kelly that's the exact view i have where i feel like they're making it better for the viewers with the token economy and with the constant things to do on eoe right now but i think you're right where if an advantage came into the game and completely wrecked somebody that just wouldn't be fair and would ruin the integrity of the game like i hats off to tony for successfully navigating the um extortion advantage because he played that so well last week but Parvati and Natalie could have asked for 10 tokens. He could have never gotten it, would have lost his vote, lost the challenge, and could have went home and got completely screwed. So Right. Right, exactly. And we all would have been rioting, probably, yeah. if that happened. Yeah, yeah. If, Tony, if Tony had been screwed because of uh, advantage, I thought, it, I thought that was a ridiculous kind of twist, honestly. And if it was given to anybody but Tony, they were probably done. So I, I think that just the fact that somebody from edge of extinction could just end somebody's game like that theoretically is not great in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. So uh, Kelly, let me ask you, I know I mentioned that that Tyson's my boy and I'm pulling him, pulling for him to make it back. But do you think that if somebody from EOE comes back and makes it to the end that the jury will honor their, their story and vote for them? Because I know of the, I know a lot of the negative feedback from winners, when Chris Underwood won. So mm -hmm. do you think that those winners will honor the game from Edge of Extinction or do they'll vote for a true winner? So I've heard a lot of differing opinions on this. Some people think, well, it's winners. They would never vote for somebody that's been voted out. But I don't necessarily think that's true. I think it depends when you were voted out. So do I think someone like a Natalie or a... 
maybe like an Amber or a Danny, if they got back in, could win, I would say the odds are probably very low because they have not been in the game the entire time. Do I think someone like a Sophie or a Kim, if they got back in, could potentially win? Maybe because they, they've been in the game so much longer than the other. So if the, the person that's voted out um, right before the Edge of Extinction Challenge comes back in, like they were voted out, but they still were in the game majority of the time. So I don't think it's impossible that an Edge of Extinction player could win, but I think that it would really depend who that person is and when they were voted out and how they played up until the point that they were voted out. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I, pr I pretty much, I pretty much agree with that. Also, I don't, yeah. I don't. In terms of like Tyson, I don't think. I mean, Tyson's different because I feel like he has so many relationships with people on the edge, or just in the game in general. But even still, if you're voted out twice, I don't really see how a lot of the winners would maybe would vote for him to win since he was voted out twice. I also don't think. Yeah. That, unless unless Tyson were to win out immunity, there's no way anybody's gonna let him. I don't think go to the end. I actually saw one theory that maybe anyone who comes back from the edge could win if they take out Tony. I feel like as Tony's playing the best game this season after the merge, I feel like if you know he's the main hurdle on the way to the end, and if anyone comes back from EOE, whether it's Natalie or Sophie or Tyson, and they take out Tony, if you have that move, I think even if you come back from the edge, I think you win this season. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. I mean, but let's take Natalie, for example. Do you guys really think that Natalie could win the game? No. It's unlikely, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Well, my, well I, uh, I, I don't know. It's tough because my thing is, like, I feel like even though it may not, like, their games might not be as flashy, I feel like you have to value Nick and Michelle, let's say, just, like, kind of hanging on the entire time. And they're still in the game the whole game rather than somebody right. who voted out first. And, like, in your in your season – I thought that Gavin was going to easily win personally. And yeah. then like, I didn't realize that so many people were valuing and Chris did play a great game when he came back, but I didn't realize that so many people were even considering that option. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you, you would think that someone that was voted out on day 13, I mean, that was my first season. I only played 13 days. And, and so I, I know the difference of playing 13 days versus playing 38 days in the game. And so that's why for me personally, I just couldn't, I just couldn't vote for Chris, even though he did what he did in the last five days. Also because of the conversations that were had on Edge of Extinction and and there was a lot of help there. Um, I just, it just, I couldn't do it personally. So I was surprised that someone like Aubrey also voted for Chris, but I think there was other things, you know, going on there trying to make sure the Edge of Extinction meant something. And it's just, everyone has their own opinion on what they want the season to be. So, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask Kelly, uh, speaking of Natalie, because I, I do think Natalie, with how well she's doing in challenges and also how well she's doing finding these advantages, I think she can come back into the game. I just don't know if she can win. So I could see her maybe being like a uh, losing third place finalist, for example. Um, but I wanted to ask, you know, what are you thinking? Uh, what are your thoughts on Natalie and Jeremy overall this season, I guess? Also, I feel mm -hmm. like it was a little bit unfair. They started out on the same tribe. I think if they were on opposite tribes, they both could have at least made the merge. But what do you think? Yeah, I think that's true. It's it's so tough because there is a ton of luck involved in Survivor. We all know that. Even people who want to say that there isn't, there is. And your starting tribe is a lot of luck. So if you start out on a tribe, for example, and you don't go to tribal council until the merge, I mean, that's incredible. Whereas you might be on a tribe where you have to go to every tribal council. So for them to be on, for them to have to be on a tribe together, 
it was just one of those unfortunate situations where everyone's looking around going, who can we vote out? Because you just don't want to stir the pot early on. And so you just find an easy reason. And, and that's an easy reason. I can't get mad at other people for looking at Jeremy and Natalie and saying, well, they're very close outside of this game and they probably would work together. They're both very dominant in the game. Let's vote one of them out. So I think if they had started on separate tribes, I do think it would have been a completely different story. And Natalie is a beast. And she's a good game player and she's incredibly strong. We've seen that on Edge of Extinction. I think had she been on a separate tribe from Jeremy to start, it would be a completely different game for her. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I'm very thankful that it was her and not Jeremy that was voted out right away. I gotta Same. Say. <laughs> I, I feel bad saying that because I know both of them, but I just, I was so rooting for Jeremy that I really didn't want it to be him, but was also bummed out for her because that just sucks. Like you didn't do anything wrong and it's just mm -hmm. not, I don't know. Not how you want to go. What what have you what have you thought of Jeremy being like on the bottom this entire time and like just the fact that he seems to be the target every single <laughs> every single week? Well, as someone who knows that feeling, yeah. <laughs> I feel for him and I know the game he's having to play. And there's nothing more frustrating than feeling handcuffed. Like you can't make the decisions. Like in Survivor, you want to make the decisions. You want to be the person that's making those big choices and figuring out who's going to get voted out and making the plans. And when you can't, and you're at the mercy of everyone else just to stay alive another day, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. You just feel like helpless and hopeless and you have nothing. So I think he's been doing a good job. I think he's very lucky that Tony now realizes that he needs Jeremy because if Tony gets rid of Jeremy, I do think that Tony is is the next to go if he doesn't have an idol or immunity. So I think that Jeremy is in a good spot now and that he has other people who realize they need him. Um, so it's a crazy position to be in. I, I don't envy him. I feel bad for him, but he's doing a good job. And I, I love Jeremy, so I'm still rooting for him. Yeah, no, I, I uh, completely agree. I think it's ironic that Jeremy loves to use the meat shield strategy because Tony's definitely using uh, Jeremy as his meat shield. <laughs> yes. But we see Tony in confessionals saying, I can't let Jeremy get to the end because, you know, he's a great player. He, I mean, he's a family man, firefighter. You can't let Jeremy get to the end. So I feel like Tony's going to keep him around for one or two more votes, maybe final six or five. And then at that point, I think he's going to finally let Jeremy go at that point if Tony still is in control at that point. Yeah, it would make sense. Yes. But you just need one more day in Survivor. You just need to get to the next day. Like, it's just, just get to the next day and anything can happen. You can find an idol. You can win immunity. You can weasel your way in with another group. Like, you just have to survive a vote. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm curious I'm, what you I'm think. I'm sorry, Dylan. I'm no, curious what you think is more impressive. Somebody that has taken the reins and was in control for a lot of the votes or somebody that had to play from the bottom like yourself or like jeremy right now and had the odds stacked against them for so long what do you think is a more impressive story someone that's controlling or someone that is just completely as you said handcuffed they're impressive in different ways it's just it's like someone who's in control obviously you have to respect that because they were able to essentially manipulate everybody into playing the game that they wanted them to play. But at the same time, if someone's on the bottom and consistently getting votes week after week, like obviously they're doing something, they have some sort of relationship with somebody or figuring out a way to survive. Um, so they're just, they're two completely different games. So I respect both. Yeah, for sure. And, and, I mean, me personally, I'm a, I'm a, 
I'm a supporter of people playing from the bottom. That's why that's why you're my favorite ever. Oh, yeah. well, you stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, I got to say, it took me a while to, like, appreciate how good Jeremy was as a winner because I was, I was so pissed off when you lost the immunity <laughs> challenge with four people left. And yeah. I was rooting for you the whole time. And I was, like, kind of salty that Jeremy was the winner, oh. even though he was even though he's a beast himself. So it, it yeah. took me a few days. But, yeah, yeah. I said that if I if I was not able to win that season, and I'm not saying I I would have won that season. I think I had a decent shot, but if it you couldn't won. have been me, then I wanted it to be Jeremy. So I'm I'm okay with the fact that that he won. And listen, he has four kids, and I mean that's not that's not cheap. So you know he needs he needed that million. All right, <laughs> so I'm mm-hmm. happy for him. He's great. Val's great. He has a wonderful family. So he's he's a good person. Yeah, Dylan, did you have a question? Yeah, I was going to say that – is my audio coming through good? Because I'm having, like, Wi-Fi issues here. <laughs> I can hear you. All right, cool. Yeah. So I was going to say that I think that right now you could almost compare Tony's position to sort of what Jeremy was in Final 7 in Season 31. Just mm-hmm. because, like, it's because Jeremy – like, nobody – at least on the show – like, at least from what we saw as viewers, he kind of flew under the radar, and then you hit Final 7, and you're like – oh, wow, like this guy could win. And he had an idol and he had two really close allies with him. And he, it just like seems like there was nothing that could really take him down. So my question to you is like, if you were playing in this season, what would be your strategy to try to oust Tony right now? Oh my gosh. Tony's so good. (laughs) He's so good. Um, I mean, Kim tried it, right? Like Kim tried this episode. I went, I went back and I did watch it this morning and and kind of took some notes and she was trying, like trying to tell everybody. And I do think it was like Jeremy and second chance where like I knew it, everyone knew it. And yet somehow like Spencer and Tasha were so loyal to him and it made no sense. I was like, I think it doesn't make sense. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, there's no way that you're going to win. You didn't get any votes. And so I think the only way is to just try and get a new group together. But it's so tough because if you tell the wrong person, like Ben, Ben is so loyal to Tony right now that he goes and blows up the plan for Kim. You know, like I think if Ben doesn't have that conversation with Tony, do they just go ahead and get Jeremy out? I think probably so. And then yeah. in, ter- in terms of Jeremy, is Michelle going to let him keep the coin or is he going to have to give it back? Because I feel like Michelle's not really in danger right now, but if she is in danger, she's going to want it back, obviously. Yeah. I think it's his now. But I, w- I don't want to jump ahead, but I was a little confused on the vote. Why? Like, the, obviously the plan going in, despite all the whispering and the craziness, and we can talk about it more later mm-hmm. on, but why was Michelle left out? Like, she's so close to Jeremy. And she's supposedly close with Denise and Nick now in this like final three, whether it's fake or real. And yet everyone was still telling her the vote was Jeremy. Like, why wouldn't they just loop her in on that it was Kim? I was thinking about this as well. And then I also watched, you know, Robin Steven on the know-it-alls a few nights ago. I was trying to interpret it. When Dylan and I talked on the podcast after the episode, we both thought what you thought was that Kim was the vote, you know, going in. So why was the need for all the whispering? Mm -hmm. And I think what they brought up on on the show was that, maybe the plan going in was Jeremy because the reason why Michelle voted for Jeremy was to vote with the majority. So I right. think the plan before leaving camp was to vote Jeremy. So that's the last thing Michelle knew. So she still voted Jeremy. 
and then at Tribal, Jeremy and Tony start whispering, and whether Tony realizes, oh, wait, the coin flip means he could be safe, or maybe I can use him as a shield again, Tony realizes that he should maybe keep Jeremy, and that's why I think he goes around trying to flip it to Kim, and then at the last second, I think he does flip Nick and Ben, which is why Michelle still votes for Jeremy, but the votes still fell on Kim. Like, that's the story okay. that I'm starting to understand. Okay. There was just one moment where Nick, he, Tony told Nick, vote Kim, and then Kim, and then, okay, Tony told Nick, vote for Kim. Nick sits down and tells Sarah and Michelle, he's saying vote for Kim, but let's stick with Jeremy. So there just must have been, I guess, conversations we didn't see um, for to try and make it more exciting for the viewer because it just, mm -hmm. the whole thing was such a cluster. It's like, I don't understand why they wouldn't just loop in. Yeah, and that's actually, uh, I was going to say, I also feel like Tony's kind of onto something these last two votes because he, both times he kind of seemed to wait until the last, well, at least the Sophie, definitely he waited till the last minute to like tell everyone. And this time right. maybe he knew that the, the plan was kind of on Jeremy and he wanted Kim. So maybe he like, he just tried to, maybe he started whispering because he just tried to make sure, like tried to swing it right there at tribal council last minute when people didn't have a lot of time to think. That's very possible. When, were you, when you were watching, were you like kind of yelling at the TV for Jeremy to play the Yes! Play the yes! <laughs> like, play it! Play it! <laughs> like, just do it! What do you have to lose? Yeah. I think I lost my voice watching that episode. <laughs> it's yeah. very stressful, yes. It's crazy. Yeah. And actually, Kelly, speaking of that tribal, a question I wanted to ask you was about the whispering because, okay. you know, it's actually really interesting that I think that you're a great person to ask this question to because you played on three different seasons where the whispering and the craziness were all at different points. So when you played in San Juan del Sur, this was this was not a thing with the whispering and the craziness. Cambodia started getting a little bit crazy with some of the stuff at tribal. And then on Edge of Extinction at the Julia vote, it all you know blew up there. So I wanted to ask you as a viewer and as a fan, well, you know, what are your thoughts on the whispering and the subtitles? Because some people love it and some people absolutely hate it. So what are your thoughts? I don't mind it to a point. So the tribal council in Edge of Extinction where Julia went home, that was going to be me. They were all voting for me. I was going to play my idol. Like that is what the plan was going in. Mm -hmm. um, so that was definitely a live tribal. Like that wasn't even necessarily whispering. People just like lost their minds and, you know, Julie ran over and sat on David's lap and was, I'm jumping ship or whatever. It was, it was crazy. Like that wasn't a situation where people were just kind of continuing their conversations from camp. Like I would say that was definitely a live tribal if that's what you know we're going to call it and then i think now people are just using it as a way to create more confusion so when you go into tribal and you're always like you know that famous stick to the plan that's what you want to do and you want to try and confuse other people if you can because you don't want people to know like where the votes are going in case there's an idol or anything like that so i get why people do it i guess for me in this episode in particular the talking after Jeff has the urn and says, does anyone problem. want to play an idol? I am not okay with that. Like there is no reason that Tony should have been able to turn to Jeremy and say, who did you vote for? And then turn to Sarah and say, do you feel comfortable? And then like that, I'm sorry, but that is just, that is too far for me. I do not mm -hmm. like that. I don't think that that's right. Yeah. I mean, when JT stood up in Game Changers and did it, like you said, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was fun. I thought other tribals, again, like the Julia vote, I thought that was interesting and fun. But I think it's gotten to the point where it's gotten a little out of hand. And like you said, once Jeff has the urn, I'm saying it really just is now they, they could just talk whenever they want. It's just gotten a little bit crazy. 
yeah, I don't, I don't think they should be able to do that. I still, like, you I, shouldn't be able to then have a second conversation and like look at people's faces and have chats and decide if you're going to play an idol. Like that's not how it works. I saw, I saw a tweet and it said something like whispering is like whispering is like new school. It's almost like in baseball, like a lot of people hate like the shift in the field, but like, like baseball will never get rid of that. It's just like something that the old school fans hate that like, it's just new about it. And I, I kind of agree. Like, I feel like Jeff likes the whispering cause it is kind of entertaining for the viewers as long as there are subtitles and you can follow what's going on. But I, I, I also agree with you about like, after the votes are already casted, like you shouldn't be able to like read the room before you play an idol, like for that long, at least. Yeah. I just don't think, yeah, I just don't like that. And it's, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned the, uh, the Tony thing after after um, the votes were already cast because somebody asked I asked if anybody had any questions for you on Twitter and one of the only one of the only like really good questions I got somebody said do you think it was a good move for Tony to kind of show his cards like that and say and basically tell everyone that he, tell everyone that he has the idol by asking Sarah if she feels okay or do you think it was like too far for Tony and that he should have just kept it to himself I think most people knew. I mean, he had told Ben about it. Sarah knew about it. Once you tell one person, you have to expect that multiple people are going to know about it. So I think it was fine for him to do that. I mean, that's kind of how Tony plays the game. He doesn't care. But as far as him talking, no. Stop it. <laughs> don't like it. Yeah. Don't do it. I think it's also interesting because we see people on the jury like uh, Parv and Adam saying, you know, what just happened? I feel like it also makes the jury confused and it makes the jury not understand who's the one. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they know Tony's the one that's leading everything, but they're probably saying we don't understand the dynamics there or what just happened. So I feel like it's also confusing for the viewers, but also even for the jury as well sometimes. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the jury and watching, what do you guys think they thought about Denise? And what she did. Denise, in terms of like the Sandra like, vote? No, no, like how she told Jeremy, like, I'm uh -huh. done. Like, I'm not talking to you. Like, do you think that was a big turnoff for the jury? I would have respected it. I don't think so. At all. I think that okay. I, a lot of people were like blasting her for it, but some, I think she, she tweeted like some long thing. Like, I was just exhausted. And I think like somebody had to do it where like they had to be like, we're done. And she may have done it in a more, in a way that was just more like loud and explicit and like, but like, I think it, it had to happen eventually because there's only just there's only so much you could do when you already feel like you have a plan, and then there's all this whispering that breaks out for who knows how long it went on for. So I'm sure she was just tired of it, and maybe in terms of her game, like probably wasn't the smartest thing to be that loud about it. But like somebody had to do it eventually. I would have thought it was a baller move if it ended up working for her, but it, since she was in the minority alliance, it looked kind of stupid because she was so comfortable with where she stood in the vote, and she didn't want to talk anymore. But if that vote went in her favor, I would have thought that was a pretty boss move. I saw it. I saw it. I actually saw it compared to uh, to your season in Final Six when Jeremy realized that Kimmy, like Kimmy, betrayed him. Yeah. And he was so angry at her and was just like, "You're next. You're done. You're done." And then she ends up going home that tribal because of the no vote because of the whole crazy thing that happened. Mm -hmm. But like, I think Denise is in pretty big trouble now, honestly. Most, yeah. most mostly because she lost Kim, but like also because like that reason also but she has that deal with um nick and and michelle yeah i think and michelle and jeremy are close so like could those four take control right and i was gonna say that if i were coming up with a plan to oust tony then you would have to think that it's gonna be those four but 
like you have to keep in mind that he has the idol everyone knows that and ben has an idol so like i think that if i were them i would probably place all the votes on sarah well no, no i would i would make it seem like i'm gonna i'm gonna place all the votes on sarah and try to make tony play his idol for her and then try and place all the votes on ben where he doesn't yeah. coming but then that could all blow up in your face if ben plays the idol so it's tough it is tough because they, yeah. they both have idols i know mm-hmm. Yeah, and not only does Ben ha- Ben have an idol too, but as we saw, Kelly Nick just completely got perplexed when Tony asked him uh, what was being said about me, and then Nick said, "Oh, you weren't talked about." And then he goes, "Really?" Because Ben just said my name got brought up, and Nick was like, "I mean, you can tell us like, isn't that the worst tell in Survivor when someone says, let me think about that,' or I thought it said, yeah, that was not that was not good." He was not good uh, with the quick thinking there. Not like Michelle last week when she had to think of a reason for her fire tokens being gone. So I think if you're comparing those two and they're uh, they're thinking on their feet and trying to come up with something, it's definitely different. But uh, I'm, yeah, Nick is interesting for me this season. So I kind of, I kind of feel a little bit bad for Nick because like, I feel like he's he's not playing like a great game by any means, but like his edit is just like, like he just, you just, every week there's like a scene with him where you're just like, like the intention is for the viewer to be like, yikes, whether it's like him butting in our conversations or like him just like stumbling over his words or stuff like that. So I just, yeah. I, it was pretty interesting. So, I mean, you'd think certainly Nick can't win, right? I mean, I don't know. Right. I wouldn't think that. I wouldn't think so, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. And I wanted to also get your thoughts on like the whole immunity challenge thing. So first, what are your oh. thoughts? What are your what are, what are your thoughts on having a double double immunity when there's only eight people left? So I think there was a double immunity like that in Second Chance. I think it was when there were eight people. The one where Joe and Keith passed out. Oh, I think yeah, that that absolutely. was at eight. And didn't you win that with the with the long yes uh, pole? Yes, that it was yes. you and Keith because Joe passed out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I'm okay with it. I do think, though, that when the stakes are that high, it was a little odd to see everybody step down. And people will probably say, if you ask those those people why they stepped down, they'll probably say that they weren't feeling confident that they were going to be able to last that long or they were falling off. Uh, but it is still interesting to see people do that, especially like Michelle looked pretty comfortable. It didn't look like she was going to fall off. And then Nick as well. Like that was kind of strange that he would do that. So I was kind of wondering, like when they got back to camp, excuse me, and he was telling everybody like, oh, sorry, I didn't, you know, I I know that I, I was trying to win that or whatever. And they were talking about, we'll have to put Tony on the back burner. Like, I'm wondering if Nick really did want Tony out though. Like if he was in with that plan, because it's, it's difficult to tell. Like, I feel like if he really wanted Tony out, he could have won that immunity. I just think like, it's why did he step down? I think it's so tough. I, I think it's all down to perception. I know we, we always hear from Jeff, you know, perception is reality. So if you think something's going to happen or you think this is the situation, that's what it is. I think that's what, like when you brought up earlier a few minutes ago that Sp- Spencer and Tasha were so loyal to Jeremy and Sp- Spencer maybe thought he could win. Actually, he said to you at the final four, a famous confessional where he says, um, <laughs> I have a good shot. And you're like, Oh, that's interesting. You have a good shot to win. Um, yeah, I so, remember. I guess, so I guess Nick's perception, if that's true, Nick has been on the outs since the merge where, you know, he was the decoy with Wendell, the decoy with Adam, the decoy with Tyson. I feel like 
he finally feels a part of something. So maybe that's why he's doing these things for Tony and to help Tony. Maybe because he feels that either he could beat him or he could get rid of him later. I think he finally feels part of something, and that's why he's doing these things, maybe. I hope he doesn't think he can beat him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Ryan, I also think you made a good point on the podcast the other night. So, Kelly, what Ryan said is that if you realize the three uh, – you would say that the three people who have the best chance to win are Tony, Jeremy, and Sarah. And ironically, yes. those are all three pe- those are all three people who have been voted out of the game before, whereas yeah. the other people who are left – they've never been voted out. So they kind of, they may have like a false sense of confidence maybe. And like, I think that this definitely was the case with Kim. And I know that Kim, like I I respect him a lot for like, she definitely made the right move by having to go. She had to go after Tony and she knew that, but I also think that when she stepped down, maybe she just like, she doesn't really know the feeling. She doesn't know the feeling of getting voted out. So maybe she just had kind of a false sense of confidence and that's could have been the reason why she did step down. Yeah, I, yeah, that's very possible. I mean, there was a, a challenge in Cambodia where we got to choose between um, th- a sh- new shelter or something and oh, right. playing in the immunity challenge. And I remember that Sierra after that always kind of felt like, oh man, like I shouldn't have sat out of that immunity challenge because, or, I, you know, I picked the rock and basically that was like, I was vulnerable to go home and she did go home. So you always wonder. Yeah, I have a question for you guys that I just thought of. Um, so Kim and Sophie both went home with idols, and I know that their idols go back into the game. Sophie but did. Kim didn't. She played it. She played it for what was it? She played it for Denise two votes ago. Yeah, right? remember right. when it was Tyson and yeah, right. right. Yeah. Sophie. So if Sophie comes back, does she keep that idol and she can use that idol when she comes no. back in the game? No. Okay. I I know because I <laughs> went home with one of my pockets. <laughs> oh my god! I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no. Fun. Yeah, you actually don't get to keep that at all. That's a shame. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, the idol's dead. Um, it's yeah. I, it's kind of ironic because like if you earn the idol in your in the game and then you get voted out within your pocket, so you go to edge. But meanwhile, like the edge could like gift advantages to the people in the game, so it's all like like I I don't know. It's it's like a weird weird kind of thing. Yeah. I know that Edge won't be back for a while after this, for sure, because a lot of people are complaining about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of dead idols, I think one thing that we discussed in the podcast a couple of weeks ago was when um, they had the first EOE comeback challenge and Natalie and Rob had put one token to the challenge and three tokens to an idol to come back into the game. Yeah. We were we were saying, well, do they still have those idols in case they come back this time or are those dead now? And I think Jeff said in an interview that they spent those tokens for that challenge. Those tokens they put to the idol are now dead. So they have to start over again. So oh. I feel like until we see the comeback challenge for the second time, either this week or at the finale, I think we'll see people buy new idols then. But I think any and all tokens for the first challenge are now officially dead, I think. That's so weird to me. I think so. I'm not sure. Because then I feel like I, as long as they knew that, as long as the players knew that, then mm-hmm. okay, that's fine. Yeah. But I feel like if you knew that, why would you buy an idol? Like I would put all my tokens towards yeah. the advantages in the comeback challenge. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there was like a max amount of advantages you could have bought? Three. It was. I think th- it was three. Yeah. I would. I would have three on the challenge. Now I don't know because it was that really tough like snake kind of thing at the end. So I'm not really sure how like if they wouldn't have they probably wouldn't have given you an advantage with the snake because that was the hardest part they weren't that good i guess i remember seeing the little paper someone posted it on twitter and it was like you 
something like the stick was already put together for the pole I, thing or something like yeah. that. I don't know. I guess they weren't that good. Definitely the sand digging is a good one because yeah. it's exhausting and you don't know how deep it is. So the people that use the tokens for that, like, I think that was smart, but I feel like if you don't know if you're going to get back in, why waste the tokens on an idol? Like that's just a gamble that you're going to get back in. Like I would have just put them all towards the advantages to get in the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once you, once you get, I, I don't know. I feel like if you're, yeah, I definitely would have, but I, I could see why Rob were, were to buy the idol because I feel like if Rob were to get right back in, he's going right back. Right. So from that standpoint, if you're Rob, yes. But like if you're, I, who was Natalie bought the idol. If I were Natalie, I wouldn't have bought the idol. And we'll, we'll see what happens. Cause I know that Natalie has a ton of fire tokens already. Yeah. So we'll see what happens for the next challenge. And like, that leads me into my next question. Who do you think is going to come back? Oh man, I don't want to be the person that's looking at the edit or who we're hearing from, but I am going to be that person. So, I mean, I I, I literally forgot Yule was on the edge of extinction. So I would say Yule's probably not coming back. I did think last episode it was interesting that there was that confessional from Amber about Rob and about how he doesn't give up. It might have been too obvious and, and it's just Boston Rob and everyone loves him. So maybe they just included that because you know, like everyone loves Rob, but I did think that was interesting. I feel like we've seen, we've obviously seen a lot of Natalie. I feel like we've seen a decent amount of Tyson and even Parv too. Um, we've seen, so maybe some of those, one of those people, I thought maybe Wendell would come back because that Michelle storyline was so weird to just not have a conclusion to, but I, I don't think that it's going to be him just based on the fact that we haven't really seen much of him on edge of extinction. So Maybe Rob, maybe Natalie, Rob, Natalie, or Tyson, I guess, is my my guess at, at this point, not it's, knowing who else is going to leave the game in the next few votes. It's funny that you mentioned the Wendell thing, because I literally said the same exact thing. I was like, the Michelle thing, like, I felt like that was going to be a thing that, like, lasted the entire game. Yeah. And, and then he gets voted out, and we were like, oh, well, that, like, that was the end. And, like, she didn't even vote him out. So I felt like – and Wenzel is also, like, he has that personality where he, he's not going to get, like, overwhelmed by a challenge to get back in. like. And so I felt like that – I felt like that um, Wendell definitely had a chance. And I still think he, he'd be, like, my sleeper pick, but we haven't seen any of him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm putting my, uh, my money on either Natalie or Tyson or – I guess Parv too, because Parv has been doing a lot with the advantages. I think it could have been Rob, but I have a weird feeling the elbow is going to come back, and I feel like it might be worse than we think with the elbow injury. But okay. I would say the edits, like Kelly said, the edits and what we've been seeing is showing maybe like a Natalie or Tyson comeback, or somebody still in the game. I don't know. Yeah, I bought a lot of Tyson stock, so I'm riding it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's, so hard, it's so hard to bet against Tyson in a challenge like that, because you just feel like it's just like, that's just that's his challenge to win like every single time i feel like yeah i want to see in the comeback challenge though i want to see like a big puzzle at the end i get so tired of like the tables with the balls and stuff and i know they they do that sometimes because they have to fit enough like enough um enough people right like they can't have a big challenge where they can't fit 10 people or whatever mm -hmm. like it has to all be in a certain area but i do want to see like something a little different than like a ball challenge or a table maze or something like do something where it's like a big puzzle or something where it kind of an equalizer but well Kelly, i was gonna, i was going to ask you that the first uh comeback challenge this season was the same as in your season where it ended with the snake and the uh, ball at the top do you think that yeah. they're going to do the same challenge again this time for round two the one that chris won with the um the, the ropes and the um and the table maze at the end or you think they're maybe 
I don't know, maybe. I mean, it would make sense. They've already built that out. Like they would have it. But. Mm -hmm. I always, and I, there's definitely too many people to do this, but I agree with you about like the huge puzzle at the end. I always think that the most fun challenges to watch, and I don't think they've had this in a few years, like pro probably not a lot in recent times, but when they used to have the huge maze at the end in the final immunity challenge, and it used to take forever, or even something like the challenge that you won, when was it? Final, final five. Oh my gosh. I, that's my favorite challenge. I love that challenge. It was so fun. <laughs> Because that had like everything where it was like yeah. you were going to different stations and then you had the big puzzle at the end. So I, I loved it. Yeah, I think that like. Which one is that? So there were all these, um, it, it was almost like a half circle. And on the, like there were the puzzles, the five puzzles you know, that like you had to move them and to fit. It was the one that oh. Ozzy lost in South Pacific, I think. Mm -hmm. but, I got you. And then you had to go to these different stations. And so one of them was like building a bridge to go across. And then one was like um, opening knots and going through it. And so you, there was strategy in figuring out like, what one should I do first? Because some of them are easier than the others. So I started with the hardest one, which was the bridge one with the planks. And then it's like, once you get that one done, then everything else is easy. Whereas everyone else waited to do that one last and they got stuck behind each other. So because one person challenge. in front of you with the planks is going slow, like you can only go as fast as the person in front of you. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if they did that challenge and they made like a full circle to get back in? People would be like killing each other on the station. <laughs> I, know. I know it would be so awesome. I love challenges like that. Like I'm over the endurance stuff. Like I'm over. I just am over I, it. I don't want to see anyone standing on another thing. I wanted them to go like the first challenge of the season. People are like, killing each other. And I was like, I expected that because like. Heroes, villains, it was like that was the theme of the season. Like the challenges were like crazy like that where people were just like wrestling the whole time. And this, it's been like mostly endurance stuff. Like, I don't know. Are they worried about like somebody getting hurt? Like, I, I don't really know. I don't know. Yeah. And speaking of the challenges, another question I wanted to ask Kelly was if this second EOE comeback challenge is the same as your season where it had, you know, the ropes and then mm -hmm. going across the bridge and the table maze, if they still can buy up to three advantages since you've played that challenge before, what do you think those advantages could be? Like, do you think it would be less ropes or like one less ball? Like, what do you think? Let's see. I don't think it would be one less ball because it was two balls on the end. Okay. I think, so I'm trying to think of what we did. So when we started, you had to like go through the ropes and there was a, almost like a fence. You had to go like over under to get mm -hmm. through. And then what was the second part of it? You had to, like, I think it was a plank thing. Maybe I'm not remembering correctly. I don't know. There were like four, four different stations. So right now, let's see. I think it was like a rope plank thing. Like, like you had to like remove like ropes from like. Oh, the I know what it was. Yeah, you had to. Um, you had these long ropes, and they had clips on the end, and you basically had to clip the ropes so that you could then like walk or you know crawl across the thing. Mm -hmm. Um. So maybe like less of those and then maybe, gosh, I don't know. It's so hard to tell. I don't know. Hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, do you, do you guys have any questions? Like I, I wanted to like ask you a little bit about like the other, the seasons that you played in. Like we, we spoke a ton about winners at war and stuff. Do you guys have any questions that you guys want to ask? About winners at war, about other seasons Kelly played. About, like the seasons that Kelly has played in. Yeah, so the question I wanted to ask you, Kelly, was about um, the idols in Cambodia, because it's kind of like a two-part question. Yes. 
because not only were the idol plays themselves pretty amazing, but also like you didn't find them in traditional places. It was under the shelter and in a challenge. So yes. I, the, the two part question was which idol find finding it in the challenge or under the shelter was more, I guess, memorable to you or whatever. And then which idol play like final six deadlock or the savage or like which play was your favorite, I guess. Okay. So I, both idol finds were difficult yeah. because <laughs> yeah, yeah, like in the one, I had to find it in the challenge. And that was very stressful, especially because it was the first challenge of the season. Like there's so many nerves and you want to win and and you don't want to get caught right away. And and I had like a lot of my shoulders because everyone had labeled me like this waste of a space on the season. And so I felt like so much pressure <laughs> to get that idol. And then the second one, obviously having to get it in camp and make sure everyone was gone and thinking of a plan, like what if somebody comes back and what am I gonna tell them? Like my glasses fell down on the ground under the shelter and I was getting them, like what's my lie gonna be? But I do think the first one was the toughest because it is in a challenge. And so like, like people can still see you and it's very stressful. And I, I pass by it and I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? I'm like, I can't have this be my story. Like, I can't not get that. And then, and then it's like, I'm just that same person that everybody thought I was like this terrible player that shouldn't be on here. So I think that one was, was more difficult for a lot of reasons. And then the Andrew Savage was just, was hands down the best. It was the Andrew Savage was the best because I, Oh God, sorry guys. I, I had like unplugged my little headphones. Sorry. Um, the Andrew Savage, Savage one was good because I knew that people were voting for me, but I didn't know that everyone was voting for me because there are people that said they still wanted to work with me. And so I understand you have to lie and we've all done it and blindside people. But I felt like when I kept seeing my name and I was like, oh, oh, okay. I thought maybe I was going to get five or six votes. I didn't know I was going to get all of you. So, okay. Okay. It just felt like a little victory. Like, all right, take that, you know, keep, keep underestimating me and, and the other girls that I'm working with. Yeah. So probably that one. Yeah. So I have another question about that season. So I thought that this was extremely like underrated and I did not remember it, but my dad, my dad was like, my brother wanted my dad to watch like old survivor seasons. Cause he's watching the season with us and he used to watch like the old, okay. school, but he hasn't watched in a while. So we told him to watch Tony's and then Jeremy's. So, okay. so I was, so I was rewatching with him and in the final five when no, yeah, yeah. The final five. So when you won the immunity and you knew that Keith was going home and you made the fake. Oh God, don't bring up this horrible memory. Okay. <laughs> I completely forgot that, but I was wondering, did you like, would, if you could do it again and I'm wondering kind of why you didn't do this in the first time. And I don't know. I, I don't know what I would have been thinking in the time. Would you have like played it up yourself rather than give it to Keith to play it up? Well, knowing what I know now and how it all played yeah. out, yes. So let me explain my thinking and why I did it that way. So basically, I knew that it was either going to be Keith or I that were going home at Final Five. So that season was the first season where they said on the idol clue that all of the idols will look different. Mm -hmm. So from the day that I found that idol and I saw that clue, I started collecting things from the beach. So on all of our torches and the bags and the, the uh, tree mails, like there's always little trinkets on them with like beads and little like medallions and charms. And so I would just take like little things. Like I didn't try to be obvious about it. Like if you take all the beads off of someone's um, 
torch like they're going to notice like where the hell are all my beads and charms so I would just take like little ones and so I had this collection in the bottom of my bag and I thought I'm just going to keep all this and if I need to make a fake idol I will and I kept the paper as well so like for both my idols I kept the idol the idol clue like the paper so at final five I was like great like I have all these things to make this I had like I had string I had everything I had the idol clue like it literally was after the merge it like it was the idol clue so if you know if you get an idol and it doesn't have a clue you know that it's probably not real so I put this thing together I was like oh my god it says on the idol clue they all look different like no one's gonna know if this is real or not it has the instructions with it like it's literally why would anyone not believe it so why did I not pretend to play it for Keith because the way that I had played the idols up to that point was very flashy. Like I waited until after the vote was read. I was like, Jeff, I have an idol. Like I felt like if I tried to play it up before the vote, that they wouldn't believe me. So, and now looking back, like I should have just done it. It would have been better than giving it to Keith and relying on somebody else to do it. But I was also like, physically and mentally drained. Like I lost 31 pounds that season. I was on the bottom for so long that I was just like my head. I, I was barely thinking straight at that point. So I was like, okay, he has it. Like it literally has the idol clue. All he has to do is pull it out and be like, Hey Jeff, like I have an idol not going home tonight. Whereas I thought if I had the necklace and I pull it out and said like, Hey Keith, like this is for you. You're not going home tonight. I didn't think they would believe me because they would probably think I would have just given it to him to play after the votes. Does that make sense? It's probably not good thinking yeah, now that no, I'm talking it through. But like, thinking, yeah, because like you said, flashy moves is like your mo, and if you don't right. adhere to your mo, they're going to get a little suspicious. So it, it makes sense in the moment. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, but looking back, that was a big regret of mine for sure. And I guess I don't know if you think about it, like why if you did have the if you did have a real idol, like and you can't go home because you have immunity, like why from their perspective, like why would you? Hype it up. Why wouldn't I play it the way I'd always play it? Like, why would we do the votes? And then it's like, haha, right. like we got one of you guys. Yeah, I get right. That makes sense. Like, I don't know. Jeremy also has like just just from from that from yours from 31 and then from this season, Jeremy has like the best like sense of when <laughs> not to like not play things. Like I don't he just always knows. <laughs> I know. Literally. I know. I know. He's so good. He's a really good player. But yeah, that, that kind of like triggered one other question about, I, I know we're like going all the way back now to what we were talking about before, but in this past tribal council where they put the votes on Jeremy, why, like, I think that I feel like a major flaw of like so many players this season is just seeing Jeremy as like the only threat and just Jeremy, like, they're just like, they're so hell bent on getting rid of Jeremy that they're not like looking at the rest of the game. Why did they not place votes on Sarah? Like, why do they place votes on Jeremy? Like, I just, I know that they probably think Jeremy has to go home, but like, if you wanted, if you wanted to take out Tony, why not, I guess, quote unquote, weaken him? Right. Well, that goes back to my thing about Nick, though. Like, I don't know that Nick actually wanted Tony out. Cause like there were options to get rid of somebody else. And the same with like, so I was, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, Jeremy and Michelle are supposedly tight, right? So if you take Jeremy, Michelle, uh, Kim, Denise, and Nick, that's five people. So why didn't they get together? Like there has to be something else we didn't see. And then Michelle was still left out of this vote, or I guess we're saying she they changed it at tribal. 
but there's just must be something else. Like I think that Nick is more loyal to Tony than the other group at this point, because I just can't understand why that five wouldn't work together. You're right. And vote out one of the other three. Well, the one missing piece of the puzzle that I think I have, and I think you, Kelly, you can, you can mention this because, you know, obviously we don't see everything on the show. There's tons of secret scenes and things that we don't get to see as viewers. So we don't have all the information. Like you guys have a lot more information than we do, but right. there, there was a secret scene posted this week that, uh, Kim and Sarah, I mean, Kim is gone now, but Kim and Sarah were a tight too. Kim and Sarah had a good bond. I right. think maybe that's the reason why Kim didn't want to risk some boats going on Sarah and Sarah going out because Kim and Sarah are closer than the show is making it appear to be. Yeah, that makes sense. It's very, it's a very tough season to watch in some ways because there are so many relationships. It's not like black and white. Like there's just so many different things going on and so many people who are working together. Like you could say that, you know, Jeremy and Michelle, like I forgot that they were close. Like I didn't realize they were as close as they are. And then you have Tony and Sarah. And then now we have, um, you know, Nick and Michelle were together for a while. And then you have Kim and, and Sarah and Ben and Tony and then Ben and Nick and uh, Ben and Jeremy were close at one point. Like I just try to keep it all straight to figure out what's going on every week to week. Yeah. And there are so many moving parts that that's just another reason I wish there wasn't an edge of extinction that we could have like 10 more minutes of clarity. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's very tough because like from our perce perception, things look a certain way, but like maybe like, like, like if, if you're like, I guess from my, from my standpoint, you're thinking like, well, why isn't Sarah just like, why didn't she just turn? Like, why isn't she turning on Tony? Why is she like still sticking with him? Right. Why, Nick, why is Nick not turning on him? But maybe that they just feel like if they were to turn on Tony, then they're the next one to go. So that's what yeah. I feel the possibility is. And truthfully, like, yeah, you could try to take out Tony and go for it. But like, if you're going to be the next person out, then like you would rather get to the end and have a chance than not, I guess. Tony is so good though. Sorry. I'm just sitting here thinking about the last two votes and how he's like, Oh, you're coming for me. Okay. And then he's like, all right. It actually does make sense that Kim, Michelle, Nick, Denise would get on board and vote me out next. Like it's so good. Like don't just go for the obvious vote of Jeremy because you've been trying to get him out. But if Jeremy gets the end, I mean, good luck. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see both sides. Did you guys think Ben though, this episode, we didn't talk about Ben. Oh God. <laughs> I was watching and I was just sitting there thinking for someone who's one survivor, this is such bad gameplay. Like the way he was dismissing Jeremy and not wanting to talk to him. Like I get it. There was a point in time in second chance where I was so mad at Spencer and I did not want to talk to him, but you just have to swallow your pride and just, just do it and be like, okay, you got me on this one and, and I'll pretend to be friends with you. Like it was so weird how he was just shutting Jeremy down. I thought it was such bad gameplay. I'm over I Ben. I just don't understand it. Again, like you said, Kelly, I mean, as a winner, it doesn't make sense. Um, especially since some of some people were saying, you know, oh, we didn't see all of Ben's games in, in uh Heroes versus Healers Hustlers. Maybe he had more of a social game than we saw. But you know, here we're seeing he gets into arguments with Rob and the pre-merge, he gets into arguments with Adam and now Jeremy. And unless we didn't see something that was a secret scene, I feel like what did Jeremy do wrong? The only thing that Jeremy did wrong to Ben was to blindside Sophie. But I feel like even when Jeremy left tribal with the safety without power, Ben was still mad at him then for saving himself. So I'm not sure what Ben's problem with Jeremy is. Why Why were they mad at Jeremy for leaving? Like, you have to, like, he was the one that was going to go home. That's what I don't understand. Like, why do you get mad That's at That's the thing that's so, that I, that I get so mad about is that it's like, you guys were voting for him. Like, if anything. <laughs> 
who has the right to be mad at you? Yeah. It's a very, like, th- there were some moments with Rick Devins and Edge of Extinction where it was like that, where we got back to camp. It's like, I can't believe, I can't believe you'd vote for me. I'm like, but you voted for me. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, you can't be mad at me because I wanted to vote you out. And then you wanted to vote me out. Like, we're just not working together with that survivor. But like, you can't freak out about it because like, like if if I didn't vote for you, you were going to try and get me out. It's just so strange. Like, I don't understand why I've been so upset with Jeremy. Like, I, I don't, I missed something. Yeah. And me and Ryan mentioned this when we were podcasting on Wednesday. Like if Ben were to not win his season, his, his fatal flaw would have been like social game. Like not like there were people who like didn't really like him. Like everyone wanted him out, but he kept like finding idols and like, then he had the fire making. So that was controversial and everything. But like, just like you feel like a lot of players have like, they, and again, like it's mostly the ones who have had a chance, had a season where they got voted out, but like they learn what they did wrong and they're trying to correct it. And Ben kind of even mentioned it. Like I'm trying to play a better social game, but like, there's no, there's no benefit from him just not talking to Jeremy. Like there's literally no benefit at all. Zero. It just makes him looks like, look like a jerk. Right. Yeah, it was very odd to watch. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, ben. Yeah. Ben. Ben is interesting. I, he's like. I feel like he's all over the place. Also, like if if you tell him something, he'll go tell it someone else. So he's like a huge wild card. Like honestly, like going both ways and both like sides right now. And then he tried to hide the idol from Tony when Tony yeah. was right there. I was like, this is just not an episode. A good episode for Ben. Nope. <laughs> not good. A lot of people think that like that. A lot of people think that Ben is in the perfect spot right now to be blindsided by Tony with an idol in his pocket. And I think that's kind of funny because I can completely see it happening. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. So you wait, so Dylan, you think that in next episode or maybe at the final six, you think that Ben will get blindsided with an idol? Because I feel like Ben has a really good chance of being our zero vote finalist, possibly, with how much he's getting into arguments. I could easily see Ben getting dragged to the end at this point. I'm just not sure. Maybe Tony sees him that way, but I'm not sure. I think Tony may fear him now because of the idol and he knows about okay, it. Fair. So like I I don't know if anybody else besides Tony sees him in that light. I feel like a lot of them see Nick and Michelle in that light, maybe. Um but I, I don't know. I, I think it's possible. But I think that the fact that he has an idol now and Tony knows about it, like I thought that I thought that Tony for a second was just going to be like, all right, like we'll put we'll, we'll worry about Kim next week. Like Ben has to go because he could use that against me potentially. So I don't know. I think Denise is mainly in trouble, though, if I had to guess one person for the next mm-hmm. like, the immediate episode. Next episode. What do you what do you guys think? Who do you think is going to go home next? Mm, well, it's a double boot episode, right? Right. Oh man. Um, I f- I'm just forever worried about Jeremy. So I feel like every week I'm like, Oh God, please don't be Jeremy. <laughs> I at least want Jeremy in the finale. Uh, I think Denise could be in trouble. I think maybe Sarah. Maybe. Yeah. I think it's definitely possible. Yeah. That's and- what I would guess. Yeah. F, what do you think? I was going to say Sarah, because I think they're going to try to go after Tony by targeting Sarah. And I think Nick, actually. I I can see Michelle and Denise teaming up in their mini alliance and kind of bouncing Nick. And then Tony and Jeremy teaming up and making a solid four there for the first vote out. What benefit would they get? I'd be down with that. Right? I like that four. Okay. Yeah. Say that four again. Um, it's the, du- it's the two duos of Tony and Jeremy and Denise and Michelle. 
Yeah, I like that a lot also. I like that a lot. I, I would be super happy with that. So speak it into existence. Please yeah. happen. It's officially <laughs> happening. Something that's, something that's so underrated is like, Tony's Tony's social game like people just like believe everything he says but like then they say they don't believe it but they go along with it like I, it's just like a gift I don't know he's so good <laughs> he's so I don't good. think I mean I think before the season people were saying we don't know if Tony has a social game because he won Kageya with the flashy moves and the strategy but we see him have amazing social game in the pre-merge where he's building the ladders and he's chasing sharks so Tony was great and really fun early on this season and then the fact that he got three winners to give him a fire token, like you can't say he doesn't have a social game if he's able to pull that right. off. Don't you need a social game to get Wu to take you to final two? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, exactly. that's just nuts. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I yeah. feel like he's doing the same thing this season, though. Like, I do feel like he's got it's people who are just like in his back pocket, like loyal to him. Yep. I've seen like every week, like on Twitter, following the episode, people are like, oh, this episode, this person was this person from Kageon. This person was this person from Kageon. And they're like, preparing <laughs> both. I think it's similar also. That's awesome. It makes sense that you know, Sarah could be the Trish and Nick could be the Wu. And I guess Spencer could be the, the Jeremy. It, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. And one more thing that I wanted to bring up, and I think that this is so interesting that this actually, this actually came back to like I, I see it now. So when we so we were on like a bunch of we were on three times with Russell Hans on his on his show. Yeah, and for the for the bracket thing. Bracket, right, the bracket. So he Good was. Time. Yeah, he was he was telling us like way early back. Like this had to be like probably what was this like I don't know. I'd say it was like two episodes into the merge maybe, and he was telling us. He's like, I feel like Jeremy is not playing a good game and Jeremy is playing a Sandra type game. So he sees that as not good, obviously, because that's his thing. But yeah. I think that I think I, I, I was just saying, like, what is he talking about? He's crazy. But now that we're here, I think Jeremy is playing a good game because I think that he he's like he's been on the bottom and he's been his name has been out there every time. And he's somehow still there. But I kind of do see the parallel between him and Sandra, where he's kind of just like trying to just survive, survive, survive. And if he does get to the end, he will win because he's so good socially. Right. Yeah, but when you're on the bottom, that's what you have to do. You have to do it. He has he doesn't have to just like it's not like it's not like there was a moment during the game where he could have said like now I can control things. Like I do, I don't like I don't see a path where cuz every single week for the last like 4 weeks he's his name's been brought up. Yes, and there is a skill in in convincing people that you should stay. Because when you're on the bottom, you're an easy oh. boat. So you still have to socially work with people and, and maneuver and manipulate to get the target onto somebody else. Granted, he has Tony who is, who is making moves on his own too and making right. decisions. So luckily Tony is a smart player and can see all of this, but yeah. yeah. The best thing for Jeremy was Tony realizing that he could use him as a, that as a shield. And yeah. it's so ironic because Jeremy, Jeremy used Jeremy's whole strategy with the shields, and now Jeremy's like the biggest shield of all time. And somehow, like he, I know, <laughs> I know, I love it though. I love both of them. I love their little relationship on and off the show. Their yeah. dynamic on Twitter has been quite funny too. So, yeah, <laughs> Tony, Tony was when we had the bracket because I, I have like we, I, I was like refreshing Twitter all day when the brackets were happening because yeah. there's I was getting like notifications like every three seconds. Tony literally responded to every single person who like made any kind of comment. It was unbelievable. Well, if I responded to every person that made a comment, then that might've been bad. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny though. Cause like, like I, 
I can't like Tony was just I don't know he was just sitting there all day and then he like led the campaign for him to beat Jeremy in the bracket thing it was it was hilarious I know he's <laughs> he's really funny yeah I want to see if uh if anybody who's watching this has questions then throw it in the chat and we could talk about something else for the next five minutes while we wait for questions to come in so Ryan or Hef do you have any other questions I have a really random question <laughs> um and i thought of this when you were talking about how you took the beads off somebody's torch mm -hmm. like super random question does, <laughs> okay. everybody, does everybody have their own torch or are they just all lined up when you take whichever one you see first to bring the tribal you have your own torch how do you know which one's yours it has your name on it that's sick yeah <laughs> yeah it has your name on it so sometimes though when you leave tribal council and you're voted out, like you might grab the wrong torch, but they'll it'll get swapped. But yeah. Survivor gods have... fix it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the survivor gods, aka Jeff Propes and team. Uh yeah. Yep. So you do have your own torch with your name on it. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it is actually really cool not to, you know, talk too much about the torches, but it is pretty neat because they they're different every season, obviously, based on the theme. And they do attach like all these weird little charms and beads and and they're all different. Like all the torches, the the way that they look is the same as far as the um, design, but the stuff that they add to them, it's all different. So some people will have this type of bead and some people will have this charm and this and some have more and it's it's kind of cool. So yeah. yeah. I love those little little random survivor tidbits. Yeah. Ryan, you, what's up? I was going to say, you have anything? No, I mean, I'm just really excited for this next episode for two hours. I think this is what we as fans been, have been waiting for with longer episodes, more time for the strategy. And if they want to show EOE for a good amount of time, that's fine because it's two hours. We just need to see more of the strategy. Um, I think the thing I'm most excited for is the 50-50 uh, coin because Final 7 is the last time Jeremy or Michelle can use it. So whether Michelle takes it back or Jeremy plays it on himself, it's going to get used. So I'm excited to see who uses it and if it lands on safe or not. Did you guys think that that was a good use of fire tokens? Because I still think that I would not have purchased that. Uh, at the time, I so at the time, my my opinion, and I, I said this on, the, on our podcast, I, my opinion was that at the time, nobody had really like used fire tokens like that. And so like, I feel like you have to jump on the opportunity while you have it to spend it. And granted, you don't know where it's going to get you later in the game, but like this could help you later in the game. Now I feel like, like obviously hindsight's 2020, but looking back on it, I don't think it was good because Michelle never wound up being on the chopping block and she's like using it for Jeremy, but then voting Jeremy. So it's like kind of a weird thing, but I, I think, yeah, just because it was Michelle and she hasn't been in danger, I would say in hindsight, it probably wasn't good. But at the time I liked it because I just thought that you had to use it while you had the chance. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I, only counterpoint I would make is that Michelle at this point, after buying the coin, she knows that you get two tokens after the merge for winning a challenge. So you, you can come by tokens more easily. Also, Michelle probably has the best social game on the show right now. So people are always going to give her tokens. So I think between the two from winning an immunity challenge and from people giving you their tokens when they leave, I feel like Michelle probably thought I can earn this back up. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. She low-key lucked out too, because if she didn't use her tokens on that advantage, she might've gotten hit with the extortion advantage that Tony got. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so she was hit up. She just didn't have anything to give. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. She actually very low key. She had an amazing excuse to Tony, and Tony completely bought it. It was so good. Yeah, yeah I was saying. Like, was so good. Yeah. yeah. All right. We Could have... Michelle win the season? Last question before we answer questions. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, what do you think? Do you think Michelle could win this season? I think she's low-key playing a very good game, but if she's next to, like, a Tony or a Jeremy, no way. Okay. But if she's next to Nick and Ben, easily. Yeah, okay. I think, I mean, I think it's funny, Kelly, because you brought up earlier in the show that we try not to read the edit, but we we naturally just read the edits. Yeah. I think pre-merge, when we saw Michelle doing a little bit more and she was talking to Rob about, you know, no one respects me for my win, and Rob's like, hey, if you won, you won. I thought that was maybe the show saying she's going to do better this time. But I feel like now I'm seeing an edit where she's going to get to the end and they're going to say, I don't know if you did enough this time again to win. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Pre-merge, pre pre-merge, I was like, I thought she was one of the favorites because she was playing amazing pre-merge. She was like so much screen time. And then like yeah. the whole thing with her and Wendell, she was like in good light and Wendell's made, made out to be the villain. So I thought that like they were going to maybe be, have an alliance, like a secret one. And then she was going to like blindside him. And like, that was going to be like her story. Then when yeah. they got blurred out abruptly. And I was like, well, that was that. Um, right. but I don't know. I think it's, I think that she, she has like, she has to be like one of the best social players, like, like ever, like people just like, nobody ever like considers voting her out. And she's just like very reliable. If you want to work with her, like everyone seems to really like her. So I think that like, she, she is like, like she's playing a great social game. So I think that in order for her to win though, she needs to sit next to probably Nick and an edge returnee or Nick mm -hmm. and Ben or something like that. Cause right. I don't think he wins going up against a lot of others. Yeah. But, I, I think that those are all fair points. Yeah. And I've met Michelle and she is very charming. Um, mm -hmm. She's very easy to get along with and, and almost has that, um, that parv, uh thing I, I don't even know what that thing is you know and you just meet somebody and they're just very charming and fun to be around so um i think that's probably why she does really well socially with a lot of people um but i'm with you guys and that i just don't know who like who she could beat um just because of the way that like tony has played and 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 jeremy is playing kind of from this bottom position so we'll see i think she would have a chance against denise but denise is always going to hang her hat on the sandra move and right but what about ben like, where does Ben stand? I don't think Ben can win. I don't think Ben can beat anybody. Like, yeah, okay. I, I don't, so. Okay. All right, fair. All right, so we have a few questions here. So this is an okay. interesting one because, so, let's see. All right, perfect. Who do you guys think is the more powerful duo, Jeremy and Nat or Tony and Sarah? <laughs> well, unfortunately, unfortunately, we did not get to uh, see Jeremy and Nat. I, I, I feel so bad. <laughs> for natalie that she was put on the same tribe as jeremy and i know that you guys were talking about this when i was when i was like wi-fi out or whatever but i just feel like they're they're different players like jeremy and natalie are very different players from tony and sarah so even if natalie were in the game i just don't think that it would be easy to compare them um i have felt that sarah has been a little emotional this season um maybe she has played like that before and we just haven't seen it but i personally have to go with jeremy and natalie all day but that's because of personal reasons so <laughs> <laughs> I'm, i'll let you guys take this one yeah yeah i mean i you, you guys could you guys can answer what do you think i i think that obviously i i would have loved to see jeremy and natalie actually like play and i feel like natalie natalie got a raw deal here where she was on the same tribe as jeremy and that was um that you couldn't avoid that so 
it's so unfortunate because I thought Natalie was set up so well for this season, if not for being unlucky, being on the same Travis Jeremy, because if you guys don't remember, she was going to be on Game Changers, but because of a concussion issue, she wasn't able to go on. And I feel like with her not being on Game Changers, people would have forgotten about her great game in San Juan del Sur. And I think she was set up so well this season. I think just being on the same tribe as Jeremy really handcuffed her. So I I, yeah. I think it's tough. I mean, I think the answer would be Tony and Sarah because we've seen more of what they can do. But I respect both Jeremy and Nat as players so much that they could be an amazing duo. Yeah. I would be – oh, go, go ahead. I was going to say, sorry, I was going to say that if I had to be in, a, in an alliance with either duo, I would probably choose Tony and Sarah. Really? Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why? Um, Sarah protects who she's with. She doesn't go back on people. And neither, like, Jeremy and Natalie are loyal, but I think I'd rather surround myself with myself with those two big targets tony and sarah because i mean i'll trust that tony does the dirty work for me and he and he's able to sway and sway the vote in my favor but i don't know i, I was never really a big natalie fan in her season to be honest with you i didn't i didn't think she was that impressive and i think i'd rather be with two absolute beasts than one beast and one very good player Half, why, why, why don't you ask Sierra Don Thomas if Sarah goes back and paralyzed? How about you, how about you ask her that question? <laughs> also ask Stephen Fishback if Jeremy's loyal. Ah, yeah. Very true. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I would be shocked if Natalie doesn't come back at some point because I would love to see her play again where she's not the first boot. But um, next question. What would you say is the biggest advantage or disadvantage of playing in a blood versus water season with a loved one? Oh, well, that, I mean, the disadvantage is that Survivor is an individual game. So playing with a loved one, it just makes it very hard. I know there are some people, some players that say they would never play with a loved one. And obviously my first season playing with my dad, it allowed me the opportunity to come back and, and play in different seasons. So I, I wouldn't take it back for anything, but specifically for me playing with my dad, I was just so worried about him. And, and you just, you can't focus on yourself because you have this other person that you care about. So the, the benefit is that you have someone you can trust and that you know has your back. You don't have to question someone's intentions, but the disadvantage is that you can't play for yourself. I mean, yes, okay, you have someone like Sierra who voted out her mom. Yes, I know, we've heard it a hundred times. She voted yeah. out her mom, but it's it's really not that easy to do. And for me personally, I just worried about my dad. Like I worried about his health. I worried if people were being nice to him. I worried if he was rocking the boat, like, is he safe? Like just all that stuff. So for me, it was just always in the back of my mind and it made it very difficult for me to just play like my game because it was kind of like our game. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, you definitely had like I I remember you definitely had a few confessionals in Cambodia where you were like you felt like you had a weight loss. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, that I mean the thing is that like that was going to be my storyline at least to begin with. So I told my dad when I came back, I was like, well, I was like, because here's the thing when you when you go back and you've played before, like like there's a game with the producers, like, you know what they're looking for. So like I, that had to be my story of like, I'm basically free now because my dad isn't here, but like, he knows that I wouldn't give, I, I, I wouldn't give up that season that we had together because now we have something special. So, um, <laughs> yeah. 
All right, next one. So this is interesting because we talked about doing me and we we've all been talking about possibly like in the off season, like doing like like fan casting or whatever you want to call it. So what future yeah. what future themes for seasons would Kelly like to see? I want heroes versus villains again. I don't care. Like, why have we not had that again? We've had other things twice. Like, I maybe it's because it's one of my favorite seasons, but I just love that like good versus evil. Like, like you want to see. Like, do you want to see the good guys come out on top or are you rooting for like the bad guys? Like, I just feel like it's a theme that that is amazing. So I want to see heroes versus villains again at some point. Uh, and then I think that's probably the only one I would want to see for returning. Maybe second chance again, yeah. depending what that cast looked like, like a second chance too. But then for new seasons, like, oh God, I don't know. It's too hard for me to like think. I've seen some crazy things of like, USA versus Canada and like East versus West or like, I don't know, weird stuff. I don't know. So yeah. What I about mean, you guys? I've always wanted to see heroes versus villains too. That's in my top three favorite seasons. I love that. And I, and again, I want to see a second, second chance because I think that not only was it, it's also in my top 10 seasons. I love Cambodia, but also I think as a fan getting to vote for who you want to go in is so amazing because it really connects us with the show and connects us with the, the cast because yeah. you can vote for different reasons. Like I voted, for example, like I voted for you because I wanted to see you get like another chance to prove yourself. That's I voted so for Spencer because Spencer, yeah, Spencer, Spencer could have won Kageon. So I voted for different people for like different second chance reasons. So I feel like it's, it's a right. shoe in for the fans to get involved. I love it. Right. I would love to see second chance too, because I don't, there's, there's always the, there's always the people who went pre-merge that would be on the season that would, you'd be like, well, you want to see him like, what, like, how do they learn from going out early? Like a great example is me and Hef, when we were doing the podcast during season 39 from preseason, we were so set on Chelsea going really far okay. and then she got voted out with the idol in her pocket. And like, like, I don't know, like, I'm sure like the producers see, like there was potential there if she played the idol, right. You don't know what could happen. So like, I always like that kind of story paired as Ryan said with the people who got really far, like a Dom and tied at the end and didn't win. So I would love to see that. Yeah. Like, could you imagine like Dom or Chrissy on second chance? Like they definitely deserve another chance to get that title. They were so close. Right. And yeah. you're right about the fans being involved. I do think that was something that was super special about second chance. Now, as someone who was in the pool of people who could go on or not go on, it was very stressful. Yeah. I will also tell you that campaigning for three months before you had to leave, it felt like I was playing survivor for a year, but yeah. that's fine. Um, I do think it's cool that the fans are involved and then it makes the players feel like they really have to prove something too. So I think that's why there was like a, a a decent level of gameplay and second chance because everyone felt like it's not just for me. It's not just for my family. It's not just to prove something to this small group of people. It's just like, literally like, I feel like the chosen one. It sounds so stupid, but I do think that that's a cool thing. If they did it again to have a vote again, I think would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the next one, so this is kind of random, but where do you stand <laughs> on the best player always wins debate? For example, Natalie beating Russell or Sandra winning heroes versus villains. <sighs> So is this person saying that Russell should have beat Natalie and Sandra? I I guess, or Russ, or at least maybe, I don't know, or at least definitely Russell, I guess, should have beat Natalie, but I guess he also means like Parvati or Russell. Okay. Uh, oh, man. Um, <laughs> do, do, I mean, do we say that the best player always wins? It's difficult because you have to respect 
a jury that chooses. Like we're not on the season. So we can't as viewers say, oh, this person shouldn't have won. I mean, it's also up to the producers to give us enough information about the winner for us to want to see them win. So if that's not the case, then you have to wonder why that was. But um, I don't know. Even if I don't agree, I'm like, well, they have the million and I don't. So it doesn't really matter, does it? Right, exactly. And I think that there's always like, you as a viewer, you want the flashy moves and like you, your mind thinks about the flashy moves, but yeah. like social game, even if it's very low key is such a huge part of it. So like, I don't know if Tommy from last season went up against somebody who had made more flashy moves. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe Tommy would be seen as like somebody who shouldn't have won, but Tommy, like, did he even get a single vote against him all year? Like he, he was just such a perfect like social player. And even like Michelle, like, I know a lot of people thought that Aubrey should have won, but, like, clearly she played, like, the perfect social game that, like, everyone was on her side and people saw what she did, like, even though it was low-key. And, like, that's a hard thing to show on TV. So but we wanted Aubrey to win, or people wanted Aubrey to win because of the edit we were shown. Right. So I, that's a tough, it's a tough question. I don't know. Yeah, it is a tough mm -hmm. question. <laughs> All right. So the next one we kind of spoke about, but I guess, I don't, I guess not, like, specifically – when do you think Tony should get rid of Jeremy? Uh, depends how long he has his idol. Because yeah. I feel like if he has his idol up until five, then you can get rid of Jeremy at six, no problem. I think. Like, he, do you see where I'm going with this? Like, yeah. if he, because he needs to keep Jeremy basically ahead of him as a vote. Yeah, I think he waits one more and then maybe does it. So like when it's six, like you said, because yeah. you want if you're Tony, you want to keep Jeremy in as long as possible, but you don't want him to just rattle off three immunities in a row. And then it's the next thing you know, you're at the end with him or not at the end. Exactly. What, what but do you, you also don't want to get voted out. It's a tough balance. Yeah. What, what do you guys think, Hef and Ryan? What do you think? So it's tough, right? I, I think that Jeremy's going to look to cut Tony's throat, but if I'm Tony right now, I feel pretty good, and I think that if I'm sitting next to anyone at the end, I'm going to win. So I wouldn't be in a huge rush to cut to cut him because he's a pretty valuable ally at this point, especially with how little people there are. I think that if I could, I would get rid of him at five, but I wouldn't. I definitely would not get rid of him this episode with the double vote off. Yeah, I think five or six is is fair. That's what I would do. It's so tough though, because you do risk Jeremy winning immunity at five, Hef, and then what? Yeah. Then, then Tony's done. Yeah. The idol, unless some crazy advantage comes into the game that we're not expecting. See, it's not about Tony beating Jeremy at the end because I think he could. It's about Jeremy getting Tony out before yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I think six makes sense to get rid of um, Jeremy, and I do think that Tony brings up a good, Tony has a good point that like we shouldn't want to sit next to Jeremy at the end for obvious reasons, but. Kelly, do you think there's also a thing in there about if you if if you're only there because someone saved you, can they win? Like for example, if Jeremy got to the end with Fishback, I don't know if Fishback could win because Jeremy could say, "If I didn't save you, you wouldn't be here." So I feel right. like if Tony and Jeremy got to the end, even though Jeremy has an amazing life story and Jeremy's a great player, Tony oh, could Tony take the What's up? Yeah, Tony wins for sure. Yeah, because yeah, because Tony could say to the jury for the Sophie vote, "If I didn't save you, you would have been gone." So yeah, yeah. Ironically, this was the next question. Yeah. Who would you vote for, Tony and Jeremy, or together? <laughs> you ha you have to vote for Tony. Oh, He's been so good. 
like, and he can even go back and say my entire game. Like I didn't, I didn't kick it into gear until final nine because I had to play differently than my first few times. So I couldn't make those moves. Like his whole story is, is great for a winning story. Like he could just have, have this crazy case of like, I've, I had to play Loki. I had to change my game. I changed my game. And then when it, when it really did count, I was able to, you know, push on the gas pedal and go. So, I mean, he, like, if he gets to the end, he, he does, he deserves to win in my opinion. Like I, that would be amazing. It's so impressive. With, like the fact, like I, I would have never have thought this would, I would have never thought in a million years that he would be left right now, let alone possibly going to get to the end just cause like his reputation and like, yeah. You didn't know if like a guy like Tony could really adapt his game. Like we've seen like a lot of people criticize Boston Rob, although like I don't really agree with it that much. But like a lot of people criticize Boston Rob that he literally tried to play the same way this time around as he did in 22 when he was playing with people who had just played who like were kind of naive about the game and that he didn't adapt. And Tony is completely changed around his game from being crazy to like really low key. And now he's like kind of crazy again, but like got there because he was low key. Yeah, but I think his crazy now, like it's on purpose. Right. Like it's well, yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. Everything he does is for a purpose. He's not just doing it to do it. Like even the whispering at tribal, even him trying to switch the vote and deciding who's going to go and all this stuff, like he knows what he's doing. Like mm-hmm. he's not just, it's he, not one of these players who you're like, oh my God, what are they doing? They're just nuts. Like he's, he, there's a method to his madness and he's insanely smart and very good at this game. It's so incredible that he's like, like he, like you see some people like, have a lapse where they step off the thing on an immunity challenge and like, or some laughs where they just like, I don't know, do something that they shouldn't. And Tony just never seems to have that like lapse of lapse of concentration. He just like, he's always so on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. He's so good. yeah, he is. We have, all right. So I, I guess we have all the questions. Uh, we can now wrap up, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how this season plays out. And thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having you. This was so fun. I guess we'll see how our predictions turn out. I'm really, I'm really hoping for that. Tony, Jeremy, Denise, Michelle, four. Like I'm, I'm now I'm on board that <laughs> that train. So I'm hoping. Yes, let's see. I would love it. Yeah, so thanks for having me, you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you.